Jesus has never loved you more than he loves you right now. There's nothing that you can do to cause Jesus to love you more. There is nothing that you can do to cause Jesus to love you less. Because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, is love. Let me read to you a few verses that uh, were in the newsletter. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. You, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is who we are. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one down one's life for one's friends. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I hope that you're enjoying God's love today. I hope that you feel loved. We all acknowledge that when we we know someone loves us, uh, that that's a good thing. Sometimes we might not feel loved. I trust that in this season of Advent, the Lord Jesus is so real to you that you sense and feel something of his love, that the Spirit of God within you, because if you're in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is living in you, that the Holy Spirit confirms with your spirit that you are a child of God and you are beloved. Consider the love of that first Christmas. How much Mary loved God that when the angel appears and says, uh, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and miraculously as a result of that, even though that you're a virgin, uh, you are going to be with child. You're going to be pregnant. Uh, 
and uh, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Imagine what Mary went through because of love from that day the rest of her life. We know that when she sat down with Joseph to explain, hey, here's what happened, he didn't believe her. So that the love of her life humanly, she says, uh, I'm expecting, and it's of the Holy Spirit. You almost have the picture of Joseph going, "Uh uh-huh. I don't think I've heard that one before. We know he didn't believe her because the text tells us that after he knew, because of his love for her, he determined not to humiliate her publicly, but uh, there would be a quiet divorce. We know that in Jesus' ministry, there were those that continued to say, hey, we know who our father is. Our father's Abraham, but this man, man, we've never really known who his father is. Mary put up with that. Mary stood and watched her firstborn being crucified. I suggest to you that we see an enormous amount of love expressed through Mary. We see an enormous amount of love expressed through Joseph. Joseph gets together with his buddies over coffee and one of them says, uh, hey, you're not married and uh, Mary seems to be uh, getting a little paunchy there. What's up? Uh, Not me. That's uh, the Holy Spirit. They had never heard that before. If there are some of you that, uh, because I've had this happen in the past, some of you say, "Uh, he shouldn't talk like that about them. Friends, they're real people, real young people who faced in numerous ob- obstacles out of their great love in order that we could have a savior. God's love for us as we read, is demonstrated in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's that all about? Some people don't like the word sinners. It's fairly easily defined. Uh, Six ways. One, if I say something that God doesn't want me to say, if I do something that God doesn't want me to do, if I think something that God doesn't want me to think. 
Conversely, if I don't do something that God wants me to do, if I don't say something that God wants me to say, if I don't think something that God wants me to think, then the encompassing term that the Bible uses for that is that we're sinners. The verse I want to look at in terms of the passion of God is perhaps the best known verse in the New Testament. If you've got a Bible there, I invite you to turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and we will be focusing on verse 16. We note, first of all, for God so loved the world, the passion of God for you. The term that's used there is an intensive form. The difficulty that we have in English is this, our use of the word love. Because I love my dog. I love pizza. I love the Boston Bruins. So glad Don's got his Bruins hat on today. And I love my wife. Since Annette's sitting at the back, I want to assure her and you that those loves are not equal at all, except that we just use the word love. The Greeks helped us out. They had four words. One was for erotic love, something that, uh, a word that the New Testament doesn't use. Uh, One is uh, stergo, and that's family friend love. One is uh, friendship, so that we have, and brotherly love, we have the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. And then, One Greek word that actually in the last, I don't know, 40 years maybe has become popular to use and you'll hear agape. That's the most intensive type of love. A friend of mine on his first date with the woman who would later become his wife wanted to appear really spiritual and she said, he said, now I, I only want to involve myself with you in agape love. And she had absolutely no idea what he was talking about and thought, who is this weirdo that I'm out with that's trying to use Greek on me? But when God loves us, It's an intensive form to say this. He loves you so much that in eternity past, he determined this, that in his plan, he would send his one and only son, Jesus alone. Now, we are children of God if you are in Jesus Christ today. You're a child of God. But God the Son is the one unique one. And this did not take place in heaven that uh, after Adam and Eve fell in the garden that there was a quick little committee meeting in heaven between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit saying, "Uh uh-oh, we didn't expect this to happen. What are we going to do now? It was always in God's plan that he would demonstrate his love 
to you so that Jesus would come and do this. He gave his one and only son. So a great transaction takes place when Jesus dies in our place and in our stead. Here's what happened. At some point in his crucifixion, God the Father took your sin and my sin and placed it on the Lord Jesus. Because the penalty for sin is death. And something happened while Jesus hangs on the cross that had not happened before and has not happened since. The Trinity was in perfect harmony. But as a result of my sin, your sin, placed on the sinless Son of God, Jesus cries out and does not say, Father, where are you? He cries out and says, why have you forsaken me? I'm in the crisis of my life. I'm fulfilling your plan and here I have the weight of all this sin. And I'm not about to explain all that took place there because frankly, we don't know all that took place there. All that we know is that there was a rent in the Trinity that had always been perfectly together is perfectly together now. There was some kind of rent in the Trinity that our sin created. That's the good news. Because when Jesus died and paid the penalty for our sin, then when we trust him, when we believe on him, when we accept what he did for us there, then it's not just a matter of he forgives our sins. That'd be good. But that's not all there is. The blessing is this. He gives to us his life, his righteousness. So it's not simply a matter that you got a piece of mail that says somebody has paid the account on your visa. That'd be good. It would be getting the card in the mail to say, here's what you now have. There is nothing you can do to go over the limit on this card. That's the righteousness that God has in you in the Lord Jesus. So when the Father looks at you, he always sees you, always sees me in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus.
How's that explained? Jude tells us this. When Jesus presents us ultimately before the Father, he is going to do so with tremendous joy that he's going to present us perfect because of his love. I've told some of you this story. Annette and I met at a Bible school in England and we knew that when we were leaving that one-year Bible school that uh, we wanted to be married. But uh, with Annette being in California and me being in Southern Ontario, uh, we at least wanted both sets of parents to have met us. Uh, Annette's flight home was supposed to go over the pole to Calgary and then on to San Francisco. Mine was uh, straight from London to Toronto. We went to pick up the tickets and they said, oh, Miss Johnson, uh, your flight has changed. Now you fly uh, with a stopover in Toronto and then on to Vancouver. So you'd have to have known my family. So they're waiting. Mom, dad, sister, brother-in-law, baby, sister, brother-in-law, baby. I come out ahead of Annette. Said uh, she's going to be out in a minute. She's not much, but she's the best I could do in short notice. I didn't say that. I said, this is Annette. Isn't she beautiful? And she's better on the inside than on the outside. Annette went red, made my mother feel better. Do you know what Jesus is going to do with us? He is not going to say ever, Okay, Father, the grassroots people are coming next. Like, I did my best. You know them. He's going to say about you. Here's my bride. Isn't she gorgeous? Father, look at my bride. She's perfect. If you think, I think he might have just come up with that because it sounds nice. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. That's the end of Jude's little letter. Jesus is going to say, Father, here they are. I saved them because I became a baby, because I died for them, because they placed their faith in me, and here they are. Perfect. Perfect. You get down on yourself this Christmas, because if, if you're like me and many others that I've talked to. We have way in the back of our head this perfect idea of Christmas. 
that's stylized somehow where by the end of the movie, everything works out great. Just hasn't been our experience. Because the families sometimes get together and fight. Because sometimes the families don't even get together. Because sometimes our kids don't think we got them the right toys. It's not what I asked for. At least that wasn't first on my list. And that's what I really wanted. And you didn't get it. And in the midst of all that we enjoy. For some of us. This is a really painful time. So would you rejoice in this? Jesus could not possibly love you more. Jesus could not possibly do more for you than he has already done for you. When it comes to the concept of the Father, I recognize that there may be some of you here that really struggle with the concept of a loving Heavenly Father because that's not the home you grew up in. And when you hear the term Father or Dad, it's actually a term not of endearment, it's a term of pain for you. But I want you to know that God the Father loved you so much. He gave his one and only son. I've got four boys. I like you. I enjoy being here. If it took the death of one of my boys in his early 30s to help you out, you've got a problem. I like you. I'll come to love you. There is not enough love in my heart to willingly sacrifice my son for people who didn't like him. That's how much God loves you this morning. Just before we close, let me ask you this. We talk about Jesus and his love. I really pray that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. That you discover through the day that uh, there are times when you're talking to Jesus. There are times when he's talking to you. If you want to be certain about him talking to you, then you go here. Because the written word always points to the living word. When we open our Bibles and read the scriptures, we discover page after page after page is all about Jesus. So this Advent season, 
If you want to know more about him, you want to fall in love to an even greater degree. Take the book of Luke. A doctor said, Theophilus, you're my friend. I want to tell you about Jesus of Nazareth. Here's what I experienced of him. Once you finish the book of Luke, you can pick up his story in the Acts of the Apostles. And Theophilus, here's what happened next. You can absolutely believe in it. You can absolutely count on it. God's word is true. And we're glad to proclaim it. This day, we gladly proclaim this. Jesus has never loved you more than he loves you right now. There is nothing you can do to cause Jesus to love you more. There is nothing you can do to cause Jesus to love you less. Would you pray with me? We bow in awe of the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are completely humbled that the God of the universe would make a plan for us. Thank you that you first loved us And our heart's desire today is to express back to you, we love you. We look forward to that day when our faith will be sight. We'll see our precious Lord Jesus face to face. We pray in his excellent name. Amen.